0: Welcome to the Alpha Omnia podcast. John Thornton, goes by JT, joins us in this episode to talk about his travels and experiences around the world, shares a crazy story of how he and his friends almost were abducted in Istanbul, and tells us a little bit about his first year competing in Spartan and obstacle course races. He also shares some tips on productivity, minimizing distractions, and accomplishing your goals. You know, he's got a full-time job, does all... These travels around the world, I was always camping, hiking, visiting places, and you know, competing in these crazy, uh extreme races. And that takes a lot of self discipline to be able to accomplish all this and, you know, be productive in society and you know, maintain relationships. So I had a great time talking with him. Great conversation leading into the Thanksgiving weekend. But you already know I first need to tell you about our Black Friday through Cyber Monday special. We'll have our t-shirts and crew necks on sale, and we offer free shipping on all US orders. And best news is that our merch pairs perfectly with Muggsy jeans. Muggsy jeans are the most comfortable men's jeans ever made. That's no exaggeration. These jeans are literally as comfortable as sweatpants. I'm telling you this as a true fan of Muggsy jeans myself. In fact, they're only advertising with us because I reached out to tell them how much I love their jeans. The magic is in their Muggsy denim. Muggsy's founder, Leo, spent five years working with industry experts to redesign the men's jean from the ground up. Their jeans are made from high-tech materials like synthetic silk. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares, right? All you need to know is that Muggsy jeans are so soft, breathable, and flexible, you won't be able to wear any other jeans again after trying them on Mugsy has free and easy returns, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a try. Do your legs a favor. Head to MugsyJeans.com. That's M-U-G-S-Y Jeans.com to get your own pair of ridiculously comfortable jeans today. I'm flying this Thanksgiving weekend, driving a lot. And you best believe I'll only be wearing Mugsy jeans. I'm actually only packing Mugsy jeans because they're the only jeans I have. But I'm going to be traveling in style and comfort. Don't have anything to worry about. I'm really looking forward to it. This holiday season, why should you be denied... The right to be handsome. Well, the guys over at Handsome Pills have come up with a simple solution for that. Handsome Pills are a multivitamin formulated with all the essential components needed to living a healthy life. Each component plays a vital role in repairing and restoring your hair, skin, and nails. Monthly subscriptions start at a low cost of $16.99 a month, available online at HandsomePills.com. So start living healthy, feel great, and most importantly, stay handsome. I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy your time with family with friends We'll have another episode for you guys Monday do this for fun dun, da-da, dun, da-da. We, we ain't playing with dun,
1: da-da, dun, da-da. Dun, da-da, dun, da-da. Uh. My body and soul, I need your heart. My body and soul, heart. My body and soul, I need your heart. My body and soul. Now let's go. vibe with it, ride with it, let's go, let's go. Vibe with it, ride with it, let's go, let's go. Get jiggy, vibe with it, let's go, let's go. Now let's go, let's go. Someone bless me, I got the holy water. Feel it through your body, your man God, I've got it. Baby, feel the bounce, I got it from my
2: mama. How was India? uh yeah india was pretty awesome you know i was there for work and uh i always whenever i go on work trips i I like to i definitely like to try to get around and and see stuff at night so or at least you know at some point so we took one morning actually and we're able to to go check out some caves uh just north of mumbai and in the national park there uh, just actually in the city they they call it the green lung of mumbai uh and the city the city definitely needs it i've never been to a uh, more polluted place but uh it was a yeah it was a really good trip
0: so with the so you go to like to Singapore you travel kind of you know all over the world for work. Do you usually like have some time to yourself where you can explore the cities, or do you maybe take an extra couple vacation days and spend a couple extra days there, or like what's usually your game plan there? I know you're really busy with work. Do you just kind of maybe you know this trip is strictly work? Uh, you know I'll come back another time kind
2: of ordeal. Yeah, good great question. No, I, I definitely uh, you know. If, 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 if work is gonna, is gonna afford me the chance to travel and, and, and you know, experience some other cultures, I definitely take time, uh, at a minimum, I'll probably show up a day earlier or stay a day late and, and really get to explore the sea or, or wherever I am, I guess. But, you know, through some work trips, I've been able to, um, I've been able to do some, some pretty awesome hiking, you know, I'll take the weekend or in some cases I'll take a couple days on, you know, vacation on either end and, and, uh, you can get to see some cool things. So, you know, this last year, um, I was able to take a, a weekend, uh, a long weekend, in, in on the island of Borneo from a trip to, to Singapore, and then uh, took uh, took a long weekend in Amsterdam um, from a trip to Germany, and took a uh, took uh, about a week uh, last year actually after a trip to, to Wales and, and hiked uh, part of the Pembrokeshire National Trail. So absolutely, I think it's really important to, to to work hard, but obviously enjoy enjoy life too. So
0: yeah, definitely, and so you're. Most of your trips are, like, you do hiking, camping, backpacking, right? I know you've been, like, throughout Europe, um, South and Central America, the U.S., Southeast Asia you've done also. Are most of your trips like that? Or do you like like being in cities and maybe enjoying the nightlife, uh, you know, like, checking out, t- trying out new foods? Like, what do you usually try to get out of
2: your trips? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I like both, right? I, I, whenever somebody asks me my favorite place I've ever been, I, I always ask them, you know, well, I, I guess I always caveat favorite places is, is, you know, in nature or favorite places like as a city. But um, I like both. I mean, an ideal trip for me would probably be, you know, show up someplace, spend a night or two in, in probably the major city or major cities, I guess, in the country, go do maybe a week, two weeks, you know, hike or, or some form of nature activity, come back and then enjoy maybe another night or two uh, in wherever we're going to be flying out from. Um, so, and that's kind of my MO, I guess, when I, when I, when I travel both for work and personal.
0: Yeah. I Kind of keep that balance between the two. What exactly. got you into like backpacking, hiking, camping? Cause you know, people like doing that stuff, but they usually keep stay around, you know, where they're from, where they live. They don't usually venture too far off, but you're literally traveling around the world and doing these things. So obviously you have like an interest and in, like, you really enjoy doing this. Like what got you started with it?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think I've been pretty fortunate that you know I'm a I'm a curious person in general, and then I was able I was introduced to to traveling with my family, relatively young I suppose, and what I realized as as I you know traveled like eight, you know I think there's nothing that's gonna make a closed-minded person open-minded other that you know that in the way that travel can I think that's huge, and then what I realized for myself is is as I travel I, I just inherently seek out more opportunities or challenges along the way. Right. So each, each trip I go on, I I definitely want to get something out of it. Usually, you know, something, let me phrase that when I, when I go on a trip for personal, I I often have, you know, multiple motives to do it. Right. I'm not, I don't even have social media really other than uh, I guess Facebook, but like, I, I don't do it to like (laughs) take pictures, which I feel like to your point, a lot of people do kind of that kind of travel. My thing is more just to experience it. Right. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I take pictures, but I, it's uh. It's for personal use. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome because, yeah, like you said, a lot of people – when I was in Europe, so uh, over the summer for four weeks, and there were – like I was in hostels and stuff. I did notice that with some people. Some people were like, oh, we got to go this and this, and it was like – I saw like the most basic girls you can imagine just going from one tour spot to another, just taking pictures. Like they were on this like scooter tour. I'm like, geez, yep. you guys came all the way over here from America just to do this. Like you guys should have just stayed at home. But no, I definitely no, I,
2: I I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of you know a lot of people that go you know 24 cities in 23 days, and, and to, to me it's like I don't really think they saw those cities or experienced it. Right. So I mean I I'm a I would really, really, I would, I would re- think long and hard before I say I've been someplace, like really been someplace, you know, unless it's been a couple days. Yeah. That's what I was thinking
0: too. When I was in Europe, when I was planning the trip out, I, at first, my rough draft, I was trying to get to as many places as possible in like a four to six week span. So when I was looking at the itinerary, I'm like, damn, I'm going to be in and out of airports, traveling to airports, traveling from airports every three days, sometimes every two days. I'm like, half of this trip is going to be spent at airports. I'm like, I'm going to pick a yeah. few places out. I'm going to spend extra days there. And I'm just going to, you know, just coast, embrace the culture. Like, what's your favorite way of traveling?
2: Uh, de- I mean, definitely on my on my own two feet, right? I, yeah. I, I love uh, to, to explore a city that way or, or a trail, I guess, that way. Um, but, you know, yeah, that is a reality of travel. You're going to spend a lot of time in airports, airport lounges, you know, hotels, whatever. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think... I think the best way sometimes is just show up in a place and figure out where you're going to go from there. You know, I, you know, I, I try to, now I try to build flexibility into, into my trips, I guess, you know, I'll yeah. let, you know, I'll show up in country basically and, and have a, a rough tier kind of rough idea of what I'm going to do. Um, but as I have found out, or as I've learned, I guess, is that that rough itinerary quickly takes shape.
0: Yeah, no. I like that too. I like, you know, maybe having a couple things in mind that I want to do, but kind of figuring it out once I get there. And I always do yeah. plan like an extra day, um which I noticed when I was in Portugal, I'm like I was planning these extra days in these places. I'm like I couldn't I was like this is too long. I can't stay in these small towns. I love like small beach towns, but I'm like in Portugal, I'm like I spent four days here. I can't do that. Like it's too much time. Sometimes you get that. But I
2: also think you just learn that with time, right? Like, yeah,
0: definitely. I
2: really think that like when I first started planning trips, uh, you know, like, so after college, a couple of my buddies and I went, we backpacked Europe for some time. And you know, what, one of the, one of the things we did is we spent a a long weekend with, uh, one of my friend's relatives on in this, like just incredible, incredible villa in Croatia. And, um, they were giving me shit because we only had—I think we had like three days there—and and you know we, in hindsight, we wish we would have spent much longer there, right? But we had this like very very specific itinerary. So my nickname on that trip was spreadsheets because I would put together this massive spreadsheet of of all the places we were going to go, um, and do. And so what I've learned now as I do these trips is like, nah, basically start and end, everything else will fall will fall in line throughout that trip.
0: Yeah, no, my girlfriend does the same thing. She like will have. Pages and PowerPoint presentations, like, all right, this is where we're going. This is where we're eating at this time. I'm like, yo, chill, relax. Like, let's just show up and then figure it out, and you know, go day by day. And I feel like that's the best part of traveling, just kind of winging it. You know, it's like you got, you know, maybe a week or ten days or two weeks, three weeks, or however long to just kind of, you know, just be wild, be spontaneous, adventurous, and just just see where it takes you. You know, I, I, that's one of my favorite oh, parts put- of traveling.
2: I completely agree. And I also think that travel makes and br- makes or breaks people. And so what I mean by that is if you take a look, take a, the next time you're in a plane, go ahead and take a look around. You, you see, I, I, you know, you see obviously people in between these two extremes, but I think you see kind of the, the people who are, who, you know, maybe are on their third or fourth glass of alcohol on the flight, and you know, you know, have a couple extra pounds on them, and, and they're, they're complaining about you know, the seat's this or or you know, the temperature's uncomfortable, right? And I think those people get broken by travel so easily. And you also see you know, kind of a different person on planes a lot of times, like you're just happy to be there, right? Like hell, 50 years ago, like air travel was you know, cost prohibitive, and now you can get dirt cheap flights pretty much anywhere in the world, but you know, depending on the timing, if you're flexible, I mean, I, I think I think you also see people who are sitting on the side of a road just, like, trying to figure out where they're going, and they look flustered and and lost and and just, like, are just not having fun. They look uncomfortable, right? Or you see the people who who show up in a hostel, have no clue what they're going to do. They don't care, though. They just know they're going to go find some cool people and see some cool things, and and they really kind of are at ease with where they are in life. I I think that travel really brings both of those extremes out on people.
0: Yeah. uh, It's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about this a couple days ago because – some people they don't like to travel, you know. They like to stay in, you know, their hometown or their city or whatever. They don't like to venture off too much. And I always wonder like why why don't they like it? But I guess, you know, it isn't for everyone cuz you know, you do Absolutely kind of have to like, yeah, it's you got to be outgoing and it could it does take a toll. And, you know, a lot of the times things don't go your way. You know, you might get ripped off. You might get sick. You might get really lost. You know, uh, yeah. you might almost get abducted, abducted in Turkey, which I want to get into in a little bit for you. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, sure. shit can hit the fan really quick. And some people are like, I'm so afraid of that happening. And they miss out on these yeah. great opportunities
2: but um no exactly and it sure does hit the fan right i mean man i i, I think i think uh following a travel itinerary to a tee is kind of like hitting a runner's high like it, it's out there but it never happens yeah no. maybe once or twice a year yeah
0: um so when you are like uh you know camping backpacking hiking all this stuff uh like what's some of the equipment that you um I know we're kind of venturing a little bit off the discussion, but I've always been really curious with these people, you know, that do go, you know, overseas to other countries to backpack and camp and hike. Like what's some of the equipment that you bring and how do you pack for it? Like, how do you prepare? Cause I've, I've honestly never done something like this before and I'm, I've always been super yeah. interested.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so there's a ton of good resources online for, for, for any of this. Right. But I, I think in terms of what to buy, if that's the question, always, always, always choose quality and always waterproof. And don't, I mean, people are going to say, Oh, you don't need waterproof this. I can't tell you how many times that having something waterproof is, is saved my ass. So that's definitely a big piece, but I mean, I think it obviously starts with your backpack, right? So you different, different backpacks or bags, I guess, for, for different types of traveling, right? So if I'm, if I'm like backpacking, backpacking is in like, you know, like a trekking poles and like out in the, out in the bush. Yeah. I mean, you're going to want, you know, pretty, pretty durable, pretty lightweight materials. You know, obviously you need your basics like tent, uh, you know, uh, a stove, uh, I'm a big, big proponent of jet boil, if that's, like, hand down. Like, if, I probably wouldn't go on a camping trip today without a jet boil, which is just, a, like, a super quick, condensed, lightweight stove. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, and then obviously, like, you need a knife. That, that's a big one. I know that sounds weird, but things like that. I mean, that, I guess, does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, pretty much, because, you know, I've always wondered, like, one of my friends he kayaked down the Mississippi River all the way from the uh very tip from where it starts up in uh, northern Minnesota all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico and i dropped him off and yeah. he just had so much equipment and i always wonder i was watching him we carried his kayak like four like a quarter mile from the parking lot to yeah. like the headwaters I'm like, this is so heavy. There's so much equipment. Like, I know he's, you know, camping and he's kayaking, you know, for like yeah. two months. But I was wondering, I'm like, people, they go, you know, they travel to other countries and do this. Like, there's no way they need this much equipment, you know? Because you literally can't right. carry that much equipment and, tr- and get so far and travel so far. So it's just basically No, said, Yeah, you need to be mobile. You need yeah, to be mobile. Exactly. So it's basically just quality. Make sure you got, you know, the bare minimum and you can make the worst. What about for food? What do you do for food? Do you know, do you like pick berries like do you know what you can eat that's out there or do you bring your own food
2: yeah so i mean so when, you, when you're camping right and it depends on your trip style but you know, so when, when i like to go camping i'm usually going to pretty remote places so usually you're gonna have you know like dried food like a mountain house meal if you know what that is or like mres um the irony of, of a lot of these type of a lot of the trips i like to go on is it's actually about maximizing your calorie intake right if, if you're you know if you're hiking you know, multiple hours a day uh, and you're working nonstop, you need a lot of calories, right? So uh, like a lot of high-dense uh, or uh, nutrient-dense foods are good, so like nuts, you know, uh, beans, stuff like that that's dry and, and you can carry relatively light weight. So that's a big thing. And then, yeah, I mean, if I'm – so it's like you go to like the Boundary Waters, for example, you, you'll fish while you're there, and you can grab – or not grab, but you can catch fish, right, and you can do it that way. Uh, but you, you run a risk of if you don't catch fish, you don't eat, right? So I always like to have at least a couple reserve meals with me. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm in another country backpacking, uh, a lot of times you can usually stop in like little villages and just buy food. You know, for a couple dollars for a meal. Um, yeah, there's a risk of getting sick, but definitely worth the experience. And I, I would say some of the most cool meals I've ever had in my life, uh, both you know, just in terms of like the quality of the food and the ingredients, and then also the views. I've been on, 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 on hiking trips.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And when you do, you said you go on like these remote trips, how remote does it get? Like, and where are you on some of these trips?
2: Yeah. I mean, it it obviously depends, but, uh, I guess this year, uh, we were pretty, pretty remote in, um, in some villages in Peru. We, we did the Salkante trek, which is, uh, kind of like an alternate route to, to Machu Picchu. Um, it's, I guess if you, if you can picture the map of, of Machu Picchu in your head, most of the Inca Trail, which is the one that most people will end up doing if, if, if they go through an organized tour group, comes in from the opposite side. So it kind of comes over this mountain, and it, it, it's called like the Sun Gate, I think, and you look down over Machu Picchu. We actually came from the other direction. And so when we, we started in this little village, uh, probably, of, I don't know, I'd say less than 500 people, you know, just built on the mountainside. And then, you know, for a couple, you know, a couple of the days we were trekking, we we actually didn't really uh, see anybody other than some other backpackers on the route, but those are some pretty remote places. And then like this year also, I was in Alaska in the middle of Denali National Park, right? So, I mean, that's that's pretty effing remote. Um, And then, you know, I think, well, some of my, probably one of my favorite places in the world is the Boundary Waters in in northern Minnesota, and that is remote, and it doesn't allow for the use of motorized uh, vehicles or, or boats or planes or anything like that, so... You know that's that's the kind of place like, you don't work, you don't eat, and then that's that's pretty remote. That that definitely pay attention. Time you 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 uh, you sprain an ankle, and that could quickly turn into a, a life or death situation in the Boundary Waters.
0: Yeah, no, that's where my friend was um, kayaking, and he said he didn't have any cell phone reception. He didn't see any people, so yeah, if like if he was attacked by an animal or anything, he probably would have died out there. Or if he got like really sick and couldn't move, like yeah,
2: it's it's it can get no. Scary. Yeah, I mean I, I would say. I would say a prerequisite for a place for me to consider remote would be that there's no no cell phone reception, right? I mean, I think half half the reason I'm traveling sometimes is to, to get away from email and stuff like that, right? Yeah,
0: that's so true. Yeah, just like, you know what, it might even if your phone's off, you might have that urge to turn it on and check, but you can't do that if you don't have any cell phone reception.
2: Um, exactly. Exactly. You,
0: with these trips, are you are you usually with a group or by yourself or what how do you prefer to travel?
2: You know, I it, I, I love all kinds. You know, I've done plenty of solo trips. I've done plenty of group trips. Uh, I, I think, it, I think it, uh, the people you're with can certainly make or break a travel experience. So, you know, some, some, sometimes uh, I, I would say this for me, I, I've been on trips where I, uh, I, I ended the trip and I knew I was not going to have a girlfriend in a couple months because of the travel. Right. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun way to get to know somebody. And I can't remember who said this, but, they, they said, you know, if you ever want to know uh, what what uh, you'll be like married to someone, go to a third-world country with them and, uh, and, and, and just go do things with them because you'll really see, you know, your limits are going to be pushed. You're, you're probably going to get sick. You know, things like that are going to happen. And, and you really see uh, how people behave in, in stressful situations. Do you see that
0: maybe your travels, you know, are different if you're by yourself than with a group because, you know, maybe with a group you might be, you know, more willing to take risks and maybe a riskier route or kind of push your limits? Or do you, when you're with a group, you don't push your limits cause you're worried about the others in your group and you kind of push your limits by yourself. Have you kind of seen maybe a difference
2: like that? Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I think people would describe me as having a strong personality. So I think, I think you probably approach both, both, uh, both, uh, whether alone or, or with groups is the same, but I will say that, you know, sometimes when you're traveling with, with, with groups of people, you, you have to be adaptable and, and understand that not everyone is at the same limits or sorry, nothing limits, you know, is the same has the same limits, right? Like, you know, I was this, this past uh, July, I was on a on a trip and we were trying to get over this mountain, not even a mountain. It's probably, you know, 40, I don't know, maybe a three, three or 4,000 foot high uh, hill. And we, you know, we were probably halfway up it and there was, one person was, was uh, struggling to, to kind of keep up, I guess you could say. And, and it actually, because long story short, basically we, we, we brought the wrong gas in for our stove. So we, and that was how we we're going to boil water and stuff like that. And and we realized this, you know, after we'd been hiking all day. So that night we basically had to eat like cliff bars uh, and, and and drink some water that we luckily had, but without a stove, right. You, you need that. You need to boil that for, for water. So anyways, we're trying to get over this, you need, you need the stove to boil water, um, you know, to survive and to make food. But so we were trying to get over this, this, uh, this hill to get to this. Well, we knew there would be an area with, with potentially some campers that would have gas for us. So we were trying to get over it. And, um, you know, one of my friends actually had to pull me aside that I was with and was like, dude, you, you got to slow down because, you know, look, this, this person is struggling to, to get through this. Um, so I would say that I maybe sometimes I'm too headstrong and, uh, and don't think of others when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm traveling in a group like that, but something I'm, I'm working on for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I keep it pretty consistent. Like, if you guys want to come with me, we're, we're going to do it this way, you know, because yeah. uh, I also, you know, notice that too sometimes I'm a little hesitant to travel with other people sometimes just because I'm like, yo, I, I only have like two weeks or three weeks of vacation, you know, a year that I can do something like this. Like I don't, right. and I know that like our plans, like what you want out of this trip is so different than from what I want out of this trip. So sometimes, right. yeah, it's just kind of finding that. And balance. It's about, it's
2: about aligning good good, plan, good balance and also about aligning expectations, right? Like, like I'm not, uh, I guess I, I plan the trip and I let others know how it's going to go. Right. And, and I would do I would, you know, I'm very transparent about like, Hey, we're camping, you know, you're going to be shitting in the woods. Like this is not a, not a beach vacation in Hawaii. Right. Like those are fun too, but, but like, yeah, I'm very transparent about the trip ahead of time uh, and, and let people know. So that way our expectations are aligned.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I definitely want to get, I want to hear this story of how you almost got abducted in Turkey. Was it like, you know, (laughs) just, just take it away. And if I have any questions, I'll ask him at the end.
2: Yeah, of course. So, my buddies and I were this is the end of our trip, um of 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 a about a month long trip in Europe and we were in a very touristy area of Istanbul, you know, tons. Uh, it's it was, I think it was like the Circus Circus Maximus or something like that, like the old horse racing track of Istanbul. And um we were there and we were walking along the square, like I said, very touristy area and Hindsight's 2020 right but this guy you know starts talking to us and, and is asking all, all these questions and and he's a friendly guy and, and and we you know we're 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 a friendly group of people so we had no problem talking to this stranger but you know is the, the the conversation progressed you know we're, and we're walking through the square you know he, he befriends us and starts asking all these questions and, and we we kind of naively are answering all these questions uh w- without really realizing that he, every question he asks uh he somehow is finding a similarity or, or like I've been there type response, you know, trying to build rapport with us. And so anyways, at some point, he's like, hey, we should go to my shop over here. You know, it's, you know, it's about, a I don't know, half a kilometer off the square. And we didn't think anything of it because I mean, he's a friendly guy. And So we we kind of walked over uh, to the shop area and we realized as we're walking to his shop that there's a lot less people in this area. We're kind of going down this alley. and It was midday and and there are definitely some people around. But by the time we got to his shop, it was definitely a very, uh, very different uh, uh, atmosphere than where we had started talking to this guy. And something just didn't feel right. But, anyways, one of our friends was, was just kind of was kind of cruising along and was like, "Yeah, I want to see this." And because the guy sold like Turkish plates, which is a which is a big a big thing there, this Turkish glass, and um, we go into the shop and and something just doesn't feel right. Myself and my other buddy Tyler, he and I kind of like, "This doesn't seem right." But anyways, we sit down and he he's insisting that we drink this tea, oh, and hell. none of us are really exactly right and, and none of us are like really feeling it but, he, but all that but the tea is poured right and i'm like i just want to water right because i think to myself like it's you know it's bottled there's nothing could happen with that right well he kind of goes behind this like curtain in his shop and and this is a shop there's nobody in it it's just this like random table in the middle and like all this like i would say half-assed done glass like this isn't a real shop and uh we're like sitting there and as, as we're sitting there like this guy goes um this guy goes over there's like another guy in the shop this is like a guy who who knows the shop owner clearly goes over and shuts the door to the shop so now we're in this closed space and um the dude is just being weird and, and somewhat aggressive about like look at look at this look at that and so this tea comes out and my buddy tyler takes one sniff of it like you know not even intentionally but all of a sudden he like gets super dizzy and faint and like um, just like like he said he couldn't see straight, so he kind of like gets up and like just stumbles out of the store and like the other guys like the you know the shop owner like insisting that we that we stay and that that our friend's fine and I'm like I'm like at this point I'm like this is not good, so I told my other buddy Eric I'm like dude we got to get out of here and then the shop owner's kind of getting pretty mad at us at this point and he's like why do you guys want to leave why do you want to leave and so this, so now Tyler's outside of the store kind of like almost like doubled over leaning against the wall, he like he, and he's really struggling to walk. And finally I just like grabbed Eric and I was like, dude, we got to get out of here. So I just kind of left and almost like ran away from this, this, this shop. And it was probably about a half an hour until Tyler was like not dizzy and like could walk straight again. So it was, it was a very uncomfortable experience, but we, 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 joked, I think like Taken had just come out at the time. So we always joke now that that was the time that we almost were, were the sequel to Taken. When was this? Probably 2015. No, 2015.
0: 2015. So yeah, fairly recent. I was in Istanbul summer of 2011. Um, and was oh, this, really? yeah, was this in the, the, like the Europe side of Turkey, yeah. of Istanbul or the Asian side?
2: Yeah, it was the European side. And uh, if funny enough, you know, it's, you know, we're talking about travel again in relation uh, and, and the, the, the relationship you build around travel. Um, we actually still stay in contact with, with uh, uh, a woman that we had met in Turkey. So hopefully we can get back over to Istanbul sooner than later.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love Istanbul. Beautiful, beautiful city, but you 100% have to be pretty careful there, especially if you venture out of the tourist areas. Usually people are like, you got to be careful in the tourist areas. But I feel the tourist areas there are pretty safe. It's when you get out of the tourist areas when it gets a little sketchy. We were – I went with my brother and my friend, Jack, and we took – I guess like the Asian side is like where all the clubs and bars are. We wanted to party one night, you know? And so we take a bus from the European side, you know, we were like in like a nice hotel, whatever. And so we take a bus, but we got off at the wrong stop, like too late. So we like started walking back and, but it wasn't like the ghetto of Istanbul by any means, but it was like not a good area. It was like literally straight out of movie, just three American guys completely standing out walking down the middle of the street. There were like people playing backgammon, you know, drinking on the street, talking, having a good time, like every, you know, every 100 150 feet and as we were nearing them everyone would stop and just stare us stare at us and we didn't yeah. talk like we probably walked for 10 15 minutes none of us neither one of us said anything and then once we got out of that area we're like damn dude that was so scary We like we none of us thought we we're gonna get out of yeah that.
2: but so that's so i got another good story from istanbul we we uh so the, the the joke on that trip with my buddies was that like we're all just gonna have one drink right and somehow each night we 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 had way more than one drink, right? And so that was, like I said, the last stop on this trip. And so we were we were uh, probably about noon and, and, you know, I don't know who, but I'm sure it was probably me or one of us, obviously. Uh, I was like, hey, let's have a beer. And one beer turned into, uh, I don't know if you saw it over there, like buying liters of beer is a thing, right? Yeah. Or, sorry, not liters, um, meter, meters of beer, right? Where they come, it come out, it comes out in like a meter high stick. Uh, it's usually, I don't know how many liters of beer it is, but it's usually about probably... 10 beers in in one of these things so you know that one beer turned into one meter of beer right before you know we all have quite a few beers in us and uh you know istanbul is a is a is a relatively progressive uh city but there are still some very conservative areas where you know like alcohol is not sold or you know definitely not to be good drunk in public there it was really hard for us
0: yeah sorry to cut you off but it was really hard for us to find alcohol in 2011 in some parts of the city
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so we, we were, we had started in an area that definitely had alcohol. And at one point we decided we wanted to walk to Asia because we thought that'd be pretty awesome, obviously. And so we basically started a a tour de Istanbul, but, you know, progressively getting more drunk and uh, we were walking and we realized at one point that we were definitely not in in the right neighborhood either. Kind of, kind of like you, what happened to you there. And uh, we were getting all sorts of dirty looks and some police officers actually were like, you guys should get out of here. Go, go down this street so uh yeah it definitely happens and then actually that same night we actually snuck into um like a sky bar at a hotel and uh you know at this point we've been drinking for quite a bit of time but we snuck into this like sky bar and each each city we went to on this trip we'd have like one night where we'd kind of ball out i guess you'd call it and uh this was going to be our night where we we're going to you know go kind of hard and, and have a nice dinner and stuff like that and it was so cool so we, you know we, we had this massive view of the of the of the um, the Bosphorus Strait there for the very very commanding view of the Bosphorus Strait from this hotel we would snuck into, and started chatting up this you uh, know a Western Hotel and we started chatting up this this older woman and uh, she she loved us she she just she thought we were a hoot and we told her we snuck in and she thought that was hilarious and uh, we racked up probably a two or three hundred dollar uh, tab at this at this Sky Bar which you know for uh, some guys who just graduated college that was, a, that was a big number for us at the time and uh, she actually ended up really uh, really loving us and and picked up our tab. Damn. and uh, stayed stayed in contact with her for a bit too and uh she's been a pretty pretty good advisor i guess just in on some life decisions at least for me in the last couple of years which, is, which has been pretty cool
0: yeah i mean that's a you know 2 300 bucks that's a lot when you're traveling especially when you're young you know and someone picks that up like yeah. big time you guys were probably like damn this that was, is the best that was of big. our lives. yeah no definitely <laughs> yeah what are some other like uh cool stories or crazy trips maybe not you know not so much in istanbul i know you said that you mentioned I know you mentioned something about you getting on a motorbike at, and traveling 100 kilometers oh. to see some caves in Borneo.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this was last May. I was uh, I was in Singapore for work. And, you know, I guess like we talked about earlier, whenever whenever I go someplace for work, I, I try to take a weekend somewhere, right? And um, Singapore is a pretty inter- – uh, or it is an international hub, obviously, and, and there's a ton of cheap flights out of there. So Singapore itself, there's not a ton of nature stuff to do within the city, right? And you, you have to travel a couple hours – uh, north of the city into into Malaysia to to really get into some some good nature and I'd already been to that region of Malaysia before so I was, I was trying to figure out a place to go from Singapore and I settled on this this uh, I wouldn't call it a city so much as a town in on on Borneo Malaysia uh, which is you know southeast of Singapore if you can picture that on a map it's called Miri and um, you know I uh, I I had uh, I had no plans I basically had a flight in and out I was going to be there for three days. And I knew that uh, Borneo itself has just just an incredible array of of biodiversity and landscapes and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff to do. So I I show up at this hotel and I realize that there's nothing to do in Miri. And it was also Ramadan. So, like, uh, you know, there's just not a ton of people there. And and during the day, it was a pretty dead, pretty dead uh, little beach town or not little, but, you know, just not a lot going on. And so I will start looking about looking up stuff to to do in the area, and I see there's about maybe four or five national parks that you know according to Google Maps are you know less than an hour drive, right? And that in Malaysia they drive on the left side of the road, so I you know in, in Southeast Asia if you've ever been you'll you'll learn there there are kind of no rules like there are definitely some rules but like not really a lot of times, and so like you're supposed to have an international driving permit for, for most of you know if you're going to drive in another country basically it doesn't have uh, your directional roads. And so I, I, I go to the concierge of the hotel and I'm like, Hey, I want to rent a a motorbike and and kind of explore some of the surrounding countryside here. And the guy kind of laughed at me. He's like, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I'm like, nah, I'd really like to do it. He's like, okay, stay here, make some calls, you know, and, 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 uh, comes back and he's like, okay, for 15 us dollars, uh, you can have it for three days. We just, uh, we'll have to give you a ride over to this little, to the shop basically to pick up the bike. And, um, to get over there and I'm sure 15 us dollars was way too much money, but you know, over there it's just like everybody's everybody, you know, they live so, so uh, much simpler. Or, and so they, you know, they don't, um, I guess they don't, uh, I it wasn't so touristy that like a lot of places have been like people are trying to rip you off, but like th- this didn't feel like that. It was just kind of like, Hey, yeah, let me do you a favor, man. And, and we'll hook you up. So for 15 bucks, I was able to get this motorbike. But the, but the, the, the key here was, like, I mean, they, they basically were just like, I don't really know if I'm going to you know, give you a real bike right here. Cause I've never, you know, that was, was kind of like, uh, it was a sketchy situation, I guess, from their perspective. we like, I was just there and like wanted a bike to fuck around with for for three days. Right. And so they, they gave me this beater bike and the gas gauge didn't work on it. And the, the speed gauge didn't really work on it either. It kind of did. If, if I was over 60 kilometers an hour, it, it, it worked. If I was under, it didn't work. So I kind of had this like, you know, very shitty bike but I knew that these caves were about an hour drive. Well, what I didn't know is that um, there was like about one, one real road you can drive on between this, this city. I was in and these caves and traffic was pretty bad. So it really took me about three hours and I actually ran out of gas on that, on that, uh, on that, that drive between the two. But um, when I got there, that's, that's kind of actually where the real story starts. So I, I got there I knew that these caves were, um, like I'd seen like pictures of like collapsed caves in like National Geographic, right? And that's kind of what I was envisioning, um, that these caves, this national park was going to be. And because there's, you know, I, I Googled it online. There's some, some really, really gorgeous pictures of like these Buddhist or, or, you know, temples that have been built within these collapsed caves. And it was, you know, a very spiritual place. Right. And I got there though, like I said, it was Ramadan, so it's a, you know, it's a holiday there. And. So this park was just empty. There was not a single person here. And I and I was like, shit, did I just drive three hours to, to, to be locked out of this park? And I, I would start looking around and I'm like, well, the, the, the gate to the park was closed. And I was kind of kind of uh at that. And I, I, I realized that like down the road there was another sign. Uh, so I, I followed that into the the park and show up. There's literally not a single person there. Uh, and as I'm like, uh, you know, I go up, there's like a booth basically, and so to my surprise, there's somebody in it and it, it is open. And so I buy my pass, and she like insists to me that she's like, you need to rent a flashlight. And I'm like, why do I need to rent a flashlight? I I, I don't want to be ripped out for that. Like whatever. So I was like, I got my iPhone flashlight. I'm fine. She's she's like looking at me. And she's like, no, nah, I think you really want a flashlight. And I'm like, nah, I don't think I do. Like I'm just gonna go hike to these caves. Like it's like daytime, and I don't need a flashlight. And she just you know in broken English, she's like basically like whatever. Like enjoy. So I, I go over there and as I'm walking on this path from this booth to um to this river that you have to cross to get into the national park um this like this woman comes out of the woods and she's like oh you're gonna go check out the caves and then she's got all sorts of gear and stuff i'm like i don't have any of this gear i, I just got a backpack and some water this day because it was going to be a day trip and she's like man like you really uh you're, you're really brave to be doing this with just a backpack and i'm thinking to myself like what what are you talking about and on this map you know this is not a real map of, of the park it's just like kind of like, a, like an infographic of, like, here's the entrance and here's the cave. And there's, just like, this, like, squiggly line between the two, right? There's, no, <laughs> there's no, no way to tell what the distance is. But anyways, long story short is I end up having to do, like, almost a four-hour hike to get to these caves through the – like, literally through the jungle. And when I get there, now I understand oh, – oh, by the way, this entire, this entire uh, time there's, like, a couple more guard houses that are, of course, abandoned, but they all have these signs that are in Malay, which I obviously can't read, but they all have a picture of a flashlight on it. And I'm like, yeah. I, people really, really like the flashlights here. Right No, So I get to the, I I get, I get to this, this cave entrance. Like I said, I thought this was going to be just a simple, like, like day, day hike, quick hike in and out. And I was going to go and like, I was going to come to this clearing and there's going to be this big cave. No, not what happened at all. Like I said, four hour hike in maybe three, I can't remember. But anyways, it was a long hike in get there. And there's just these stairs that descend straight into this black hole. And I'm like, oh shit! This is this is gonna be an experience. Now I see why they want uh, you would have flashlights, right? And of course, um, again, I, I passed no one on this on this hike there. So as far as I'm concerned, I am alone in this cave at this point, right? So I start descending the stairs, and it got probably about man, I don't know, 200, 300 feet down, and it's pitch black, right? Like the only thing I can see is the light coming from up there, and I turn my iPhone light on, right, which does absolutely nothing in this just an expanse of darkness. And uh, you, all you can hear is just thousands of bats flying around and I'm about halfway down these stairs and I'm like, shit, this is about to be hard. And I kind of decided, I was like, no, nah, you know what? I, I drove all this way. I'm you know, so far from home right now. Like I'm going to do this. I had no clue how long this hike through this cave was going to be or not, but it was, it, it kind of was a, I would say a decision point that it was kind of a metaphor, I guess, for some stuff that was going on in my life at the time. But I was like, this is about to be hard. It's about to be scary, but I'm going to do it. So long story short, this, the hike through the cave ends up being about three quarters of a mile, I think. And you are walking on these raised planks uh, in this cave. Cause it's, it is a, you know, it's a cave, right? It's a damp and wet and there's bath everywhere and there's bat shit everywhere. So in order to, you know, kind of keep a, a some semblance of a path, they, they put these like planks along the cave and they're rickety. And like, I'm seeing all sorts of bugs that are as big as my hand walking around. I'm like, Holy crap. And so I get, I get through this like three quarters of a mile hike and then for some reason there's a map there and I see that this is a loop hike. It's not even, it's not a there and back hike, but I, but I see more paths through the cave. And so long story short is I ended up doing about probably about a mile and a half worth of hiking just through pitch black with all, with nothing but my iPhone camera uh, to, to see some of these collapsed portions of the cave. But it was so worth it. It was incredible. Dude, what,
0: what would have happened if your phone ran out of juice?
2: Oh, that I was worried about that actually. Cause I mean, I, I didn't really think this through, right? Like I just showed up and, had a had a you know a, a backpack, some water, and a phone. Like I, I don't know, I would have been probably SOL if if my uh, phone ran out. That would not have been good cause you I needed it to to get through these. I mean, it was pitch black. Right? Yeah, like, you know, you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: And you didn't know how long it was going to be, right? Like, luckily, it was only like it was you know three fourths of a mile, and then you did that extra you know, mile and a half, whatever, but you didn't know it was that long, right? It could have been much, much longer than that.
2: Oh, I, I yeah, I had no clue. I mean, that, that's like, it's like we talked about earlier. I mean, that's kind of the fun of travel, right? Like I was so far out of my comfort zone and, and I had no clue it was going to be a long hike in, long hike through. So, I mean, this was, to me, this was going to be like, I was going to be back for lunch. I didn't get back that night until probably about, excuse me, probably about nine 30 or 10 o'clock at night. And I'd left, you know, probably at seven in the morning so that it was wow. it was a long long day but it was incredible
0: yeah and then you had to hike four miles back to um to get your uh scooter is that what it was yeah, like exactly A scooter, right
2: i got yeah it was a, yeah the little motorbike uh it was it was it was a wild wild day and, and you know like i said they're driving the left hand side of the road and so I, if i'm not being conscious uh, you know, cause a lot of people, when they, they drive, they kind of zone out, right? So a couple of times they like realized I was on the right side of the road and I was like, oh <laughs> shit, I gotta get back to the left.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it was, it was, it was kind of a wild day. You were probably exhausted I, I, after it all that. that. I was, but it, like I said, it was so worth it. And uh, actually that night on the way home too, I, I got caught in a rainstorm. So, uh, I basically said to pull over underneath this like little villages shelter, almost like community center and just r- let it rain for an hour. Um, and it was a hard, hard rain, and it was it was pretty surreal though. It was it was a really good day.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. It, it's I've always realized, or I've realized that the best moments in my life are the ones that I haven't planned for and that kind of go a little wrong, and what I really didn't expect. You know, uh, you know, just the last couple years of my life, like the best moments, the ones that I, you know, the best times I've had in my life are always you know unplanned, unexpected, and you know something goes wrong, a little something here and there goes wrong, so. You know, uh,
2: I completely agree with you. Yeah.
0: And so this year you started running, you know, obstacle course races and Spartan races, right? Yep. What was the decision yeah. behind that? Because those things are intense.
2: Yeah. Yes. I mean, probably in 20, you know, I, I think there are, I think there are experiences or moments or, you know, inflection points in people's lives that, that uh, they definitely don't define you, but they direct you. And you know, so I'd gone through somewhat of a, a basically a, a, a mutual breakup back in like 20, I don't know, end of, or maybe mid, mid, mid 2017. And, you know, I took everything that was that, you know, the feedback, I guess we could call that I got from, from that relationship with a grain of salt. But, but, one of the things that I kind of took away from that was, you know, I, I, I talked about doing stuff, but I didn't always do it. Um, and it wasn't so much about falling through. It was more just about like committing to it. Like, oh man, it'd be great to do this. Right. But I just didn't do it ever. And so I kind of decided, um, you know, that, that I was, I was going to commit to doing this, this one race. I I, I saw this documentary on, um, on a a flight back from Europe called, I think like the rise of the suffer fest, a great, great documentary. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it to anybody. But, um, it talked about like how these, they're trying to figure out why all these people were just like continually wanting to go do these really hard, you know, experiences, right? Like a, a Spartan race or a, um, or a tough mud or whatever, or a marathon for that matter, those are, those are hard to do, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's fun. And, and you can see it, you can see it happening uh, or you can see why somebody would want to do it if they're like really in shape or something like that. But, but most people are not you know, at the peak physical shape when they sign up for these races. So if you know something, choosing to do something deliberate, deliberately hard. And so that, that, that documentary in, in combination with, you know, the kind of that breakup was, was kind of, I'd say the catalyst to get me interested in it. And I really committed to it uh, by the end of 17 and, and uh, kind of started, taken off, I guess, throughout 2018. And, uh, I ran my first one, uh, first Spartan race, I should say in, in March in Texas with a buddy of mine. And I was hooked instantly. Right. So, I mean, this year I'll finish, um, six Spartan races and, and a couple other types of races, but it, it, it was, it's, it's pretty exhilarating for me. And what I've, what I've learned throughout this is, is doing hard things by choice, um, allows you to respond a lot Better when when hard things happen to you in life, not by choice, right? So I I think that's my been my biggest takeaway from from any of the the you know the endurance the endurance sport world.
0: Yeah, six races in one year is no joke because, uh, they what are they there? How long are these races usually? I was, we had Tony Matesi on. Um... On an yeah. earlier episode, and he was saying that he would do the death races, and the death races, you know, there's yeah. no really start or finish. But he also did Spartan races yeah. too. How long, like, are these Spartan races? Do they vary? I, I think he mentioned something like some of them are five
2: kilometers, ten kilometers,
0: some are more yeah. than
2: that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a sprint, which is like a five k distance. There's a, a super, which is uh, eight to ten miles, and then there's a beast, which is I think ten to thirteen. No, no it's, a, it's minimum half marathons. So I think that's. I think that one's like a 13 mile distance. Maybe they always they always give you ranges because Spartan so the Spartan mentality, right, is like you're here for a challenge. We're gonna make it hard for you. So they don't actually, you know, it's not like a 5k where you know the finish line is exactly 3.1 miles. Uh, it's it's uh, you you show up and and they're like, uh oh, yeah, today's race is gonna be four and a half, or it's gonna be eight and a quarter, or. Or you know, I might be over 13. We're not sure. So it, it's just kind of they, they move the finish line on you some. But um, but yeah, they're they're the the, the distances change. Um, but that's yeah, the, the death races though. The hardest part about that actually is they, they don't even they don't tell you the finish line right. They, they'll they'll tell it to you during the race and then they'll move it. And they'll move it forward. They'll move it backward. I mean that that that's so so far into the mental world that you know you got to train physically. But man, the the Spartan mentality. I would say more about the mental training and getting over the obstacles on, on the course. Uh, so you can get over obstacles in life. And and I, I think that connection has been huge for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, um, you know, we've had a couple people who have done these types of races and they talk nothing but great things about them. You know, obviously they're really, really hard, but everyone walks away with a great experience. I'm thinking about, you know, maybe trying one out in 2019, maybe like a sprint, but how do you train for something like this?
2: yeah i mean definitely definitely let me know if you're doing 20, you know, i'd love to do it with you man yeah but, um, 100% as far as the training cool. goes the training um you know it's, it's really i think you got to train both you know you definitely train physically obviously but it's also i think a lot more about the mental training of it like i mentioned um you know you, but i think when you you know you, you know, sign up for something hard. You, that's actually I think kind of the easy part because now you've committed to it. Um, but once you, once you really get into it, I think, I think sticking to your training is the most important piece. Right. And I would say I, I tend to do better if I follow a training plan, whether that be, you know, something I get online, like Spartan has a ton of free resources online for, for how to train or the, you know, the, the founder, Joe DeSina, he's written some books. I think he's got, I think he's got them. He actually has a 30 day, a plan. I think it's called Spartan fit or Spartan up. Maybe I, I can't remember the book is, but it literally is a day by day training plan in there. So I actually followed that plan uh, for the first race, but you know, then I kind of knew my weaknesses. Right. So I, the, I think the thing that sets Spartan races apart too, from like marathons or something like that, is you actually have to be like really like holistically, physically in shape, not just like really good at running. Right. Or really good at power lifting. Um, you know, Joe Decina says, or he likes to tell people, you know, like, if you're a world-class marathoner, I hope you can't finish my race because you need your upper body to do different, you know, different types of activity during the race. So, um, as far as the training program that I follow, I really try to to cross train. So I like to do swimming, biking, running, right. And then weightlifting. Uh, I definitely like, I actually prefer to do, uh, like the lifting quote unquote days without, um, actual weights in the gym. Cause with my travel schedule, a lot of times I don't have access to that. Right. So, um, a lot of times it's as simple as you know just just pounding out body you know body exercises push ups pull ups air squats you know um, you know a lot of a lot of places I get to travel for for both work and fun is, is good trail running so I mean running up hills man that that will do good no matter what sport you're doing that 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 will get your ass in shape sooner sooner than anything else will. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Joe Rogan talks. He does a lot of trail running, um, and on his episodes, he, he's always talking about how he does all this trail running and how he's noticed a huge improvement in how much stronger he's gotten and just like his mental, um, you know, strength from just like the last two years of running trails. He's like, "Dude, I got so much stronger. My I'm thinking clear." He's like, "It's it's the best." He recommends trail running so much.
2: Uh, but yeah, Yeah, you know, that's a good that's a good point, man. When you when you would ask me to come on this podcast, I was just trying to think like, man, what am I going to talk about? But you know, one thing that I uh and i've really been i guess preaching for lack of a better word to people is, is that mental training side um you know, we, we all as humans you know we, we we instinctively seek comfort and one thing that i'm realizing about life is is you know comfort is great don't get me wrong and some people want want comfort their whole life and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think but i just don't think you get a lot out of life right um and so what i what i what i, what I love about the, the running aspect especially trail running is like you can't see the end, right? Like you, you can't even see in some cases the next 50 feet. You have to be uncomfortable. In, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? And like the ultra world itself teaches you all about that, I think, or, or the endurance world it, it does. But but that I really can't stress enough that aspect of mental training, um, and sometimes in relation to physical training, right? Like you, you might be a mile three of a 13-mile of a run that day. Uh, you're you're going to be playing some mental, some mental games in your head about how you're going to get through that run, right? Um, but that 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 skill and that 's what it is is the skill is so valuable in life you know I notice that you know it might be late at night and I got to get something done for work the next day or whatever right and I oftentimes draw connections between you know uh running or biking or, or whatever and and uh kind of that grit to get through it and can apply that to whatever else i'm working on
0: yeah no, I definitely I feel especially with swimming for me uh, I really enjoy swimming, biking, running, but I feel like swimming you know, can definitely be a lot harder, especially because if you're in water, especially if you're like, you know, on the deep end or whatnot, like that's life or death. Like, yeah, you're really tired, but you really need to keep going if you want to, you know, live. And I think that's like almost the ultimate mind fuck at that point.
2: Yeah, no, and pushing through your fear, right? So it's really common in triathlons, actually. For for the first time somebody goes to an open water swim, they kind of freak out sometimes. Uh, I've seen people freeze up during them. Because you know you, you might train a ton for you might you might be a great swimmer hell you could be like a, an Olympic swimmer I guess who just spends all the time in the pool but like when you get to it all of a sudden you're like in open water and you you got potentially you know I don't know critters critters beneath you and people flailing around you and a um, current it it, yeah, it it could be a current exactly I mean it it it, it can mind fuck you hard for sure um, but yeah I mean that's that's a big part of it too right you just take a deep breath and just go for it
0: yeah no definitely yeah I mean some that first. Initial action is, you know, sometimes the hardest part. You just got to keep going. You, you know, I mean, I take that back. You got to just get started and then just keep going. You know, and just step by yeah. step. Yeah.
2: So how it's all about building momentum. I mean, one of my favorite uh, athletes I follow is Amelia Boone. I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, she's just as badass. Uh, she's actually a corporate attorney for Apple and is somehow still the she was she was been I think the the world's toughest mutter champion. I want to say once for sure, once maybe twice. I can't remember. But she she always says it's about momentum. The the the, the minute you, you lose momentum is when you lose. Um, and, and so you gotta you gotta figure out a way how, how you know for you how you're gonna build your momentum. But once you start, you gotta you gotta you gotta keep going basically.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I see that you know doing this podcast and you know with the health and wellness website that I tried doing, it was like some weeks everything is going your way and you feel on top of the world. Like everything is going smooth. Everything's hitting, everything's going better than expected. And there's other weeks where it's like, everything goes wrong. You know, it's like, you right. just got to take advantage of those days of those weeks or days that everything's is falling your way. You know, just, you know, just hustle and grind and whatnot. But right. Exactly. How do you find time to do all this? You know, with your busy work schedule, with traveling, training, competing in these, you know, Spartan races, how do you make all this work? Uh, you know, I know there's, there's only 24 hours a day in a day. And so, you know, I used to always say this, like yeah. th- that's not enough time in a day. I wish there was so much more time, but you, you make it all happen. You make it all fit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you want to, you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Right. I, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like the people who are, who are busy or, you know, or have, have a lot of obligations that they, they seem to just get shit done. Right. Um, I think, I think it comes down to prior prioritization. Uh, you know, I, I know what my, you know, what my goals are and I've spent a lot of time, you know, kind of honing, I guess, my purpose. Right. So, uh, I, people waste a lot of time. You know, you, you, I have as many hours as you do, who has as many hours as, you know, Bill Gates does. Right. And, and Bill Gates is fighting world hunger and, and, and saving, you know, saving us from climate change. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think, it comes into prioritization, right? And it comes down, it comes down to being efficient with your time, right? Sometimes it's little, little tweaks of your habits, right? Instead of getting home from work or, or whatever and, and going to, you know, going to Netflix or, or, or getting on your phone, right? Um, read a book instead, right? Or, or or focus 30 minutes a day on, on mobility exercises or something like that. Right. So, you know, I guess to answer your question in short, I spend a lot of time prioritizing and, and I guess preparing. Right. And, and so that way I have flexibility when things inevitably do come up. Right. So I, and then I also, I really spend a lot of time on, on, on daily routines to give myself uh, you know, structure in my day. Cause you know, I'm not, not in the same place. Very often it seems like these days, but uh, you know, I, I do, I meditate daily. I, I, I do a, a stoic exercise about or, or journaling each day and, and, and try to do, also do it actually each night, too. So about morning and morning is to prepare yourself for the day. And then the night is to kind of reflect on your day and hold yourself accountable, basically. Um, so if I, for example, have, have decided I really want to, you know, learn a new learn, learn some some new subject material, right? I'll commit to myself to, you know, say 30 minutes a day, because uh, it's, it's more about focusing on that action, the daily action than it is on the goal, right? If I, if I say I'm going to, I'm going to go teach myself a language, that's going to be really hard if I continually am thinking about this language, right? Uh, this is like massive task ahead of me, but instead if I commit to say 30 minutes a day, uh, you know, that's a lot of time over a year. So it's about prioritizing that then 30 minutes a day over other things that are going to come up throughout the day and recognizing that there are things that are urgent and need to be done immediately. And then there are things that are important that, maybe aren't so urgent that you can push off to another day that makes sense
0: yeah no it definitely does but you know there are so many distractions today with social media i know you're not on social media how do you but you know your friends always texting you like if you're in a group me and your email is always blowing up uh or you did you know like if you like football or you know basketball you know basketball season's just coming up how do you minimize these distractions how you know if like a friend wants to hang out with you after work like on a Tuesday but you got to go on a five-mile run because you have a sparring race coming up how do you like zone yeah. all this out how do you you know because I mean social relationships you know that's really important too you know to keep people in touch hang out with them you know uh absolutely. how do you ba- like I know how do you like balance and, and minimize these distractions because I know like personally like if yeah. I don't see my friends for like a month or two they're gonna be pissed they're like what the hell are you doing like what you don't like us anymore I- you know absolutely. something like that
2: Yeah. No, I think it's a great question. It's a great point. I I agree with you. Relationships are probably, if not the most, but one of the most important things in in your life. Right. Um, You know, part of it is is aligning your relationships with your lifestyle. Right. Like I, you know, I frankly probably dropped some friends because they, you know, they they didn't necessarily understand the lifestyle I was after. Um, That's a part of that. But, you know, I think, you know, you, if you can find friends or, or, you know, maybe help friends get into, you know, your, you know, your lifestyle, right? Whether that's going to the gym or, or, cooking or, or reading or traveling. Right. Um, part of it's aligning those values. And then I think the other piece though, is in terms of eliminating distractions is really be present and mindful, which is such a buzzword. And, and it's kind of, you know, a lot, you know, people say it all the time now, like, Oh, like I'm trying to be more present or this or that. Right. Now nah, I mean, you don't try, you either are, or you aren't right. It's a practice and it, it's, you really do need to practice it. Right. So for example, um, what i do when i'm doing when i'm working on something a i'll you know i'll just put my phone you know in a different room sometimes or you know i uh I, you're right not being on social media definitely takes away a lot of those distractions right but it's kind of a, you gotta you gotta remember like is this really value add or, or am i just wasting time right now when another task comes up or when or when a text comes up right um i, I guess i treat my friends and relationships you know like just like that, the relationships, I guess, and, and they're give and take to it, right? Like, I don't need to be in contact with you or, or, or anybody for that matter of 24-7, right? Like, y- you're going to live if I respond to you tomorrow morning rather than today. Like, that, that's just a decision, I guess, I've made. So, so I don't think I really answered your question, but I, I think it comes down to committing maybe to, to eliminating those distractions ahead of time. Like, just decide, you know, let, the choices are a lot easier once you've made it. Um, and, then, and then just stick to it, right? So, for example, if I'm working on task A and – um, I know I need to get it done by tonight, right? I'll just make the decision that I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going not to respond to text until I'm done or, or until tomorrow, right? Whichever comes first. So, uh, you know, I like to bucket a lot of those you know, distractions, so to speak. So I'll, you know, I won't respond to text until, you know, the night or in the morning, right? And I really don't like to, you know, um, be on my phone in between that. And I guess that's, that's kind of how I approach it yeah making the decision and then and then just committing and and following through with it
0: yeah and um what i want to get into a little bit because now i'm thinking about this because you know you're like all right i'll make a commitment like i'll put my phone in another room or i won't check it but you know people say that and but they don't do it they're like all right this is what i need to do and they know they need to do that in order to be successful or get their stuff done like why why don't people do it then like what what's holding them back Man, yeah, no, that's a
2: that. great question. You know, I'm <laughs> great question. I, I, it's a great question. It's a million dollar, million dollar question, right? I, I think uh, I think it comes down to to aligning, um, you know, your, your actions with your purpose or your true north. I mean, Joe Desino from Spartan talks a lot about this concept of your true north, right? So I guess you call it the salad test. If, if I tell you I want to I want to lose weight or I want to be in shape, whatever, and we go to lunch and I order chocolate cake and French fries, like I probably don't really want to be in shape that badly, right? Like clearly my, my, my actions are not aligning with, with, with what I'm saying. And, and certainly i am not aligned them with my values. If I'm telling you that I want to be in shape. Right. So, so, um, if discipline and self-control, I think are kind of a sham, like, yeah, obviously they're important that it, it exists to a degree. Right. But like eventually you put some candy or some temptation in front of somebody, man, it is going to take over. It will consume them. Right. Um, that's just, that's how it works that, That's human nature. Uh, willpower is, is kind of, it's, uh, it's a muscle, right? At some point, a muscle fails, right? So in terms of really committing and doing that, you just need to eliminate the distraction. So if, you're, if your goal is to get something done, go sit you know, in, in the room and, and physically remove yourself from the distraction of the phone or to leave it at home, right? And that's hard. That's uncomfortable for a lot of people um, to, to, to not quote unquote be connected, right? But I mean, if you really want to get something done or accomplish something in life, you need to make sure your actions are lined up. So, you know, if if you really want to get something done and you're, you're allowing all these distractions, I would argue you don't really want to get it done. Yeah,
0: and I think it also might be like if it is really tough for you, that might be like part of that stuff, part of that aspect of you that you need to work on, like improve your mental strength. You know, like this is really hard for you. Like even though it's something that should be easy, but like you said, like oh, you're disconnected from the world for a little bit, like. Maybe that's something you need to work right. on it's mentally at that point. That's what it is. It's I feel like yeah. it's that part of your brain or that muscle you gotta work at and you know, just get exercises or do something about it. And you know, like you said, thirty minutes a day, just focus on just you know, fighting that urge and then eventually it'll lead to more and more and just get gain yeah, that momentum and build up. Of
2: yes. Exactly. It's momentum, right? Like, it, trust me, you start today and you, you tell yourself, you're not going to look at your phone for 12 hours. So you're going to look at your phone in like the next 30 minutes, right? But it's, it's those little actionable things, right? Like say, like, okay, I'll only check it every 30 minutes today, whatever, something like that, right? But you're building, you're building on that each day then. And it becomes easier and easier.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean there was momentum that built you to get to this point. Like if you were, you know, if you spent months and months on your phone, scrolling through social media and texting, you know, it took you months to get to this point. It's probably going to take you some time to get, get out of it as well. You know, and
2: fight that urge. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a really good book called the habit loop, or I think, or no, it's called the power of habits where the author talks about, you know, people get these urges. Right. And, and it's about replacing, you, you can never fight the urge. Like you're going to have the urge. But there's, you know, you urge, then the activity, then some reward basically happens, right? So if you can replace that the activity that happens between the urge and the reward, um, you know, you, you start to make healthier choices pretty consistently that way. Yeah, definitely. So you've mentioned quite
0: a few books. Do you read a lot?
2: Oh, yeah, I love to read. And that's just something that I, I, you know, I, I really prioritize on a daily basis. I, you know, I, I think Warren Buffett says that he, he estimates you know, he read 80% of his career or something like that, right? I think learning – through reading or through, you know, it doesn't have to be reading. It could be podcasts or, or YouTube videos. I don't know. As long as you're learning, it, that that's huge in terms of getting um, getting ahead in life. I, I think you, you need to continuously learn, obviously, throughout life. But if you're if you're deliberate about that and directing that learning, um, man, you're, you're, you you can become pretty unstoppable.
0: Yeah. No. I. um I I was actually talking with someone about this the other day. I'm like, there's you know, even if you don't like to read, there's so many podcasts out there with such good information. There's so many people out there talking. There's so many YouTube videos, you know, with reliable people that you can trust and know what they're talking about. And you know, if you want to learn, you don't need to always learn from a book. I mean, I'm someone that enjoys reading myself. Uh but you know sometimes it is easier to put your headphones in and you know while you're doing chores around the house or you know running errands you can just knock out a podcast you know sometimes that is easier and makes more sense but what are you reading right now and uh what are some of your favorite books
2: Yeah for sure so I read a book every morning called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday um he he's for sure my favorite author right now he he he's kind of introduced me to this idea of stoicism which is uh we well, could do a whole other podcast on that man but I definitely want to it's, yeah. uh, it, it's a life philosophy about um you know there's there's two things in the world you can control uh which is things you or you know two things in the world right there are things you can control and there are things you cannot control and the sooner you accept it the easier life will be um so i I, he's my favorite author and he's written my two probably top two favorite books um made for sure one of my favorite books is called ego is the enemy and uh that's that's just an incredible book and it's not it's not all, I mean, it obviously sounds like it's about ego and to a degree it is, but it's really more about like your, your biggest, you know, your biggest enemy obviously is your ego. Um, and you, you that, and that's why you do so many things that are maybe unhealthy habits. Right. And it really kind of, um, it's a good reminder for, for anyone, whether or not they're, they're egotistical, just like, you know, to, to really question why you do or do not do something. And I really, really like that book. And then let see, what am I reading right now? Uh, I'm, I'm actually reading a, a book by Joe Decina called, uh, uh, I think it's called The Spartan Way or something like that. It's, it's a new book, but uh, it, it's pretty good. It, it's actually kind of about finding your, you know, aligning your, your life to your values, um, which which I definitely appreciate. And, and I just finished a book called Road to Character by David Brooks. Um, and that was a great book too. He, he uses some some pretty are pretty famous people as examples about how, how character is built over a lifetime and really earned and how, you know, a lot of people, uh, they, they don't, they, they intentionally shy away from character building exercises, which is, which is too bad because you, you think back on people you, you've enjoyed talking to or, or, or you really enjoy spending time with. And I guarantee you that they have this like sense of, of, about themselves, right? They, they, they carry themselves in a certain way that, that really comes down to their character. And, and kind of these, these life experiences that they've sometimes had by choice and sometimes not had by choice um, have really shaped them and how they approach and interact with the world. And how you, you know, and the, the point of this book is really, you know, like if you want to be a fulfilled person in life, you, you need to deliberately build character. And, and I really, really took had some good takeaways from that book.
0: No, that's awesome. I'm going to read those books and let's definitely um, – let's do a podcast where we do it in person. Let's talk about stoicism because that's something I'm really interested about uh, or interested in. Uh, and I would love to sit down, you know, and we can talk about that a little bit, About I'm going to read those two books here this month, uh, in December and then let's make it happen sometime in January.
2: If you're cool with it. Yeah, absolutely, man. That sounds good to me.
0: Yeah. So dude, uh, anything you want to add before we sign off? I know, um, I know you're on Facebook. If it's cool with you, I uh, what I usually do is uh, I, on my website I have like a guest page. I'd love to, you know, link your Facebook page to the guest page. Uh, your Facebook page on the guest page, you know, so people can find you if they want to sure. follow you. If that's cool with you, if not, I can leave that out. Uh, but other than that, dude, if you if you have anything else uh, you want to add, um, you know, now's the time. Otherwise, we'll sign off and we'll make this happen again sometime soon.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as I, I don't, I, my is pretty locked down. So I don't think anybody would get any value of, of, uh, of following me on there, but, but I can send you over some, I saw on your, yeah, I saw your guest page and you have some stuff, but I, I can send you over, a, I uh, I guess a picture or something to put up there and, and yes, uh, please do. we can do that. Yeah, I can do that. But, um, I'm trying to think, of, not really anything else to add. I mean, if there's any anything to take away for your listeners, I, I would say it's, uh, you know, do hard things by choice. So when, when hard things not by choice happen, they're, they're easier to respond to. Uh, and um, to, to go out and experience things, right? Like do things that are, that are uncomfortable intentionally and, 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 be, and be intentional about it, right? Like it, it, right? there's so much to do in life and see and experience and, and you know, all these things, right? But, but you, you got to get off your couch. That's, that's step one, right? And you start building momentum from there.
0: Yeah, I um, I definitely agree, dude. And I highly recommend you do a podcast, man. You have so much to say. You have a great outlook, uh, great experiences. Uh, if you do make it happen, let me know. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm I'm gonna follow along, whatnot. But I'm gonna promote it on my page as well, so people can listen because I really think they're gonna be interested in, you know, what you have to say and. You know, make it work. So, you know, hopefully we can collab a little bit on that too, and you know, just Oh, that'd be awesome. Help grow your podcast, help grow this a little bit, grow the following I really think we are gonna get best a best lot out of it. So, man, thank you so much yeah. for
1: coming on. I do my bang like a cold kid, that's first line of the day. Max pain, i am going murder the day. Working like my mama who be working for the race, yeah. I like your mama, a lot of people rapping. People talking, nobody make it up Take it to Chicago, they gon' put your Jeep up. I bet you're not the keeping that you say you want <laughs> Run it on the highway I need a red carpet on my driveway I'm a monster, hurt it midway Put it your way, I do this shit my way I need all your energy, I need you to believe Heart, mind, body and soul I need all your energy, I need you to believe Heart, mind, body and soul I need all your energy, I need you to believe i through your body, you're my I've been got it. Haven't been the bounce I got it from my mama, huh? Me, I got the holy water. feel it through your body, you're my gula. I've been got it. Living for the bounces, I got it from my mama. Uh, got it from my mama. Uh, yeah. Got it from my mama. i uh, yeah. so yeah. big that they call me Big Pop. Heartbreak kid, yeah, they call me Showstopper. Big so big that my bitch got a problem. White skinny kid, but they call me Dun Dot. This all me, I ain't get it from my father. If you thirsty, I got the holy water. Tell the streets, call the priest, take your friends, take your mama. Ah. I got the only water, Dig hey, it to the beat, like an info door in the sheets, I can do this all week, love it so much, I do it for the free, when my heart feel to beat, it's like a new pair of Jordan's just dropped in the streets, it on the highway, I need a red carpet on my driveway. I'm a monster, heard it midway. Put your way, I do this shit my way. I need all your energy, I need you to believe, all my body and soul. I need all your energy, I need you to believe, all my body and soul. I need all your energy, I need you to believe, all my body soul. I need all your energy, I need you to believe. fine gift fine gift is not come from come come a higher power. higher higher power. from our own mind